according to knowledge. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing to pray for people, you know, just in general, but to get to know them, to get to know their struggles and their needs, and you can pray more intelligently according to knowledge, and it seems like those prayers are more effective. Not to say that uh, the other prayers aren't uh, important, but still, uh, just to, you know, when you know somebody, you know specifically what to pray for, uh, it seems to be a lot more meaningful. Amen. And uh, very important, you've got to pray for each other. Uh, the devil hates you. The devil hates the one in front of you. The devil hates the one behind you. The devil hates the one to the both sides of you. Wants to destroy their life. Literally. Wants to destroy their home, destroy their life. He's always on the attack. Looking for the moment to destroy. You've got to pray for each other. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells, uh, uh, I think it was the Corinthians, uh, you have helped me through your prayers. The scriptures God gave to us. Even though the Apostle Paul said it, being filled with the Holy Ghost, holy men of old spake, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and gave us these spiritual truths for us, for our life today. Amen. And uh, um, Samuel tells the nation of Israel, the, God forbid that I should cease to pray for you. You know, uh, we've got to pray for each other. Amen. Uh, especially as a family, church family. You know each other. You hear each other's struggles. You talk to each other. Pray for each other. Amen. Your prayers help. Prayers make a big difference. Uh, when it comes to the home life, we've got to pray for God's wisdom in the home life. You have people with different minds, different opinions, <laughs> different desires, different wants, living together, trying to live in harmony together. And it creates, generates difficulty and struggles and conflicts naturally. Um, you know, my wife and I have been married 22 years. Good thing she's there. <laughs> 22 years and still we have a different mind. Still we think differently. We have to discuss things and sometimes even argue things out to come to a reasonable conclusion that would be beneficial to each other, to the family. And, and uh, you know, uh, there's uh, just trying to live in harmony, live in peace. We need God's wisdom. We need God's understanding. We need God's mercy and grace. As He has mercy and grace for us, we can have that for each other. Am I not turned on? <laughs> He's, everybody keeps watching Him, waiting for me. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Okay. It does sound better, doesn't it? It sounds a lot better. <laughs> My name is Lucian. <laughs> <laughs> and I eat everything. <laughs> so he had to correct me this morning to pronounce his name right. <laughs> and uh, so, but yeah, we've got to pray for each other. Amen. Be there and just uh, your prayers make a big difference. God hears our prayers. If God tells us from Genesis to Revelation throughout the whole Bible, not just once here and there, but throughout the whole Bible, God tells us to pray. Seek His face. Pray for each other. You know, if God tells us to do that, there has to be something in that. Amen. Amen. Don't let the devil tell you, oh, God has His perfect will, everything's going to work out, like a fatalist, you know, people who believe in fate. No matter what, it's just all going to happen anyways. No. It's, that's not the ways of God. That... That comes from New Age, from far out there religious people and, and um, non-religious people that are kind of, uh, you know, evolutionists saying there is no God, it's all fate. It's just going to happen. Uh, which doesn't make sense still, because there's still some force controlling and making happen <laughs> that which is going to happen. Where, you know, that force would have to be our creator. But they don't see it like that. But we've got to pray for each other. Ask God to give you wisdom to be a better husband, a better wife a better father, better mother, better church member. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. The Lord established His church. And He puts members in and He takes members out. The Lord purges His church at times. He moves people out. Uh, and 
not that they're evil people or bad people, but hindering or would hinder what God's trying to do in that particular congregation. Maybe God will purge and put those people somewhere else where they can grow, you know, and be more effective or something. But, you know, not to say that people who went out are bad or evil, but the Lord, the Lord knows his body and God puts members in his body and we're a part of that. I mean, you're a part of this local church. Amen. And it is local. We're not universal. It's a local church like your family is a local family. <laughs> Amen. Your wife is your own wife. Your husband is your own husband. And, uh, you know, it's one family. The church is one family. It's an independent local assembly. And uh, God puts you in the church and you need to pray for each other. Pray, ask God to give you wisdom to be a better church member, a more thoughtful church member, that you can benefit the body and be a help and a guide, a, you know, encouragement, whatever. However God can use you to be a benefit to the body of Christ, seek that and ask God for that wisdom. We don't have this wisdom. Uh, what we have is that natural bend to be selfish, self-centered. <laughs> you know, we need God's wisdom. We need God's strength to die to self and be thoughtful of others. Amen. Of course, like we've already talked about, it starts in the home. Amen. The husband... And wife, everybody, first relationship is with God. Priority. Without that, anything else we do is on us, in our own power, with our own wisdom, which is just another man, mankind, another human, doing his work. Doing his religious work. We must have God. We must be walking with God. Be filled with His Spirit. Amen? And, uh, and then the next most important relationship is the husband and wife relationship. Amen? The husband and wife. Don't let your children come between you two. Don't let your work, your boss, your pastor, don't let anybody come between you two. I'm not saying your pastor would try. I just have to throw that out there because I have known, I've had friends who were pastors and who were way off on this subject. And they have said to the wife, I'm the pastor, I'm the man of God. You need to listen to me and trust me. Watch out. That's sick. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't let anyone become between you and your spouse. Amen. Uh, you've got to be there for each other. Look out for each other. Love each other. Amen. And before anyone else. And then, of course, your children. Because they are your offspring. God gave them to you for you to train to become adults, to become respectable, God-fearing adults, for you to train and prepare for life. Don't trust a school system, whether it's a Christian school, government school, or don't trust a school system to train your children and prepare them for life. Don't trust your youth pastor to spiritually train your children and prepare them for life. <laughs> you know, you could entrust your children with him for that period of time at church, but it's not his job to prepare your children for life. It's not his job to make sure your children walk with God as they become adults. And you know why I say that? I've known, you, I've known people, parents, to accuse the youth pastor for failing, for not preparing their children to serve God when they became adults. It was the youth pastor's fault that my child got pregnant and went off and is not in church anymore. It's the youth pastor's fault. He failed. That's why my child went off with the wrong people and got into drugs and now is living on the street because he's addicted to this habit, this drugs, and just squanders everything he gets for more drugs and more alcohol. It's the youth pastor's fault. He didn't do his job right. I've heard people say, have y'all heard anybody else hear that? Several of you, you've heard this kind of thing. It's, it's your job as mom and dad to prepare your children, to train your children, prepare them for their future. Train them, raise them to leave home and walk with God. Amen? Train them to leave home and be God-fearing people in society and make a difference in this world. Amen? And whatever you want your children to be when they become adults, you must be today. Amen? The way you want them to be, you have to be that. They're not dumb. <laughs> They're going to follow your example. And no matter what your words are. One of my friends, he lived down the road, just a couple houses from us growing up. His dad was a drunk. Uh, just always in and out of the bar. He would come home drunk. 
and beat him and his sister up. His sister was older than him. He would beat them both up. One time he broke a bottle over his sister's head. She had to go to the hospital and get stitches. And then he wakes up from his drunkenness and feels sorry, feels bad. You know, the Bible says the wine takes away the heart. And it does. It makes people do things that they wouldn't do if they were not drunk. So don't ever get drunk. You're going to do things you're going to regret. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, uh, his dad one day caught him with a packet of cigarettes and just laid into him, let him have it and yelled at him and told him, don't you ever take up smoking. Don't you ever go off into this. And when his dad was done, he looked at him and said, your walk is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. That's pretty smart. <laughs> I don't know where he got that. <laughs> but he said, your walk is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. And his dad was like, oh. <laughs> you know, and leaves the room. And whatever you want your children to be, when they grow up, you have to be that. If you want them to love God, be a God-fearing person, and go off in joy and peace and be used by God, you be used by God. You serve the Lord. You be a God-fearing person. Be that example that they need to have. Amen. As you also coach them along as you're training them, preparing them for life. So today, uh, you know, in the mornings we've been mostly focusing on family relationship stuff. And uh, today we're going to go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2, uh, very beginning of mankind. And I just want to pull something out here. And I, I don't know where this message is going to go. There's so many scriptures I want to bring into this and so many illustrations so many things but this is a super important very very important message that if we go back to the very foundation the beginning of a marriage the beginning of a relationship we go back to that and see how it is done correctly and done right and embrace that in our relationship till the day we die we will be like those hollywood stars not the real one but in the movie <laughs> Or a Hallmark, if you will, <laughs> the Hallmark show, going off happily ever after into the sunset. That can happen. We know that Hollywood stars don't live that life. They're jumping from one person to the next and living immoral. But uh, what they present is what people desire to actually find that soulmate and go off happily ever after together into the sunset till the day they die. And they present that, and they know that people are intrigued by that and want that, and that's why they watch those films. And they cry in those films, and they're happy, but the real life is not like that. It can be. And God gives a recipe for that. Amen? Uh, husbands, you actually, this is true, you really can enjoy your wife. Did you know that? <laughs> you really can enjoy your wife and after many years of marriage. <laughs> you really can uh, just enjoy being with her even many years after marriage. And wives, you can really enjoy your husband. You can really enjoy being married. Uh, too many people, you all know, <laughs> too many people get married and it's not long they wish they were single again. They wish they were not married, but they're trapped. You know, they feel like they're trapped. And what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it's just too often. It's too much. And so we're just going to go back to the very beginning and just talk about this. See what the Lord has for us. See what kind of wisdom we can glean from the Lord. And hopefully we're wise enough to apply it. Amen. I was with Pastor Simeon sitting there eating a little bit of breakfast and talking about wisdom and knowledge and understanding. You know, wisdom is applying knowledge, but it's applying knowledge right. Amen. Uh, if you have the knowledge of right and wrong, and you do the wrong, knowing right and wrong, you choose to do wrong, that's foolish. You know, uh, the opposite of wisdom. You have the knowledge and you choose to do right with it, that's wise. Amen. Hopefully we can be wise enough to receive God's wisdom and apply it to our home life. Apply it to our relationship with our spouse. And you teenagers, um, you need to listen. You need to ask God to help you to remember these basic truths. Because your day's coming. <laughs> your day's coming. Most likely, the majority of you, most likely, are going to get married. Because that's what happens to the majority of us. And uh, you're going to get married. And this, if you can remember these things and hold on to them and keep it throughout your marriage, it will help you a lot. It will spare you a lot of frustration and trouble. 
that's unnecessary. Amen? So, but it is more for those who are married, but you also receive it and remember it. Ask God to help you remember these things. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless the reading of His Word, and we'll see uh, where the Lord takes this this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, once again for the opportunity that we can get together and we can read our Bibles to learn of You. Lord, I do pray that You would help us to understand these spiritual truths, not just spiritual, but these personal truths that apply to our home, uh, to real life. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to uh, see and understand these things and to apply them to our life. Lord, I pray that if there's any marriage that's present in this congregation that's just been struggling and frustrated and uh, wanting answers, Lord, I pray that you would use this to give answers, to give help. And... Uh, even those who are just really enjoying the marriage life. God, I pray that you'd use them to be an example and a guide to others. Lord, I just pray that you would bless this message, that it will uh, impart knowledge and wisdom and understanding for all who are present, young and old, even for the youth, that they'll be able to glean something from this that will help them in their future relationships. We thank you, God, for giving us the Bible, these words of wisdom that indeed help us. Lord, give us wisdom to apply it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2. Oh, I'm in 38. That's not going to work. Genesis chapter 2. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Oh, I'm pulling this out. I've already got my... I don't have notes for this one. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave, or, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked. The man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Amen. They were totally innocent. This is something that God had done, and it was pure, it was holy, it was perfect, completely innocent. Amen. And there was no shame. They were just innocent. Amen. And a gift from God to the man. Took his rib, created a woman, woke him up. He looked at her and said, whoa, man. <laughs> so he calls her woman. <laughs> no, he <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he calls her woman and, uh, <laughs> calls her woman and, uh, you know, and then God says that now that they're, God, God puts them together, you know, something God does, God puts them together and then says that they are to leave father and mother and cleave. This word cleave literally means to grab a hold of, to hold on to, to adhere to, to embrace. Don't let go. Grab a hold and cleave. Just embrace this and hold on to it. Don't let go of it. Amen. And so they're going to leave father and mother and cleave to each other. Um, <laughs> in the beginning of relationships boy meets girl boy looks at the girl and says whoa man <laughs> and the girl looks at the boy and says what would she say <laughs> whoa boy <laughs> So they are naturally attracted to each other. This is what I was just talking about general life. You know, boy meets girl. They see each other. They're attracted to each other. So don't be afraid, teenagers. Don't be afraid, oh, God's going to give me a spouse and I'm not going to think it's ugly. That doesn't happen. You know, you're going to be attracted to each other and, you know, by sight. And you're going to, when you get to know each other, you'll like each other's spirit, each other's personality. And you know, you just start liking each other, and as you start liking each other, is what happens. You know, you married people, you know what I'm talking about. 
as you start liking each other, what happens, you have this desire to please the other, to make them smile, to make them laugh. So you have a desire to get the other to like you also. And so you start doing kind deeds one to another. You're always thinking about each other. You kind of become worthless to society. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your mind is always on each other. You know, you're worthless at work. You know, <laughs> your, your boss says, where's your head? Your head's been over thinking about the girl. Well, how you can please her, how you can woo her, how you can romance her. You know? <laughs> and the girl's thinking about the boy. You, know, you kind of become worthless at this period of life. <laughs> But it's okay, it's a gift that God's given, it's something that you're working out together. <laughs> and so the guy meets the girl, they, they start falling in love, and they, they begin to love each other in action. So now they have that effectual love, the phileo love, you know, the Greek word phileo, they have that affection, one for the desire, they please each other, and they have that affection for each other. And because of that affection for each other, they begin to apply agape love. They begin to seek the good of the other above self. And they both like what is going on. Hey, this one really you know, was thoughtful of me. This one worked extra hours to have the money to buy me this special gift. Was thinking about me and they like this. They like what's going on. The boy talks to the girl about hunting and hiking and she doesn't care for that. But she says, oh, I love hunting. I love hunting. <laughs> 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 no, it's true. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> the boy talks to the girl about his favorite footing team, your know, favorite basketball or, you know, football team. Oh, I love football. I do. And she's thinking, I'd love to sit with you and hold you and watch that game together. That's what she's thinking. Oh, I love this sports. And, and then, of course, in time when they get married, she has no idea about these things. He wants to sit down and watch the game. And she's saying, hey, let's go do something. Oh, I'm trying to finish the game. Well, you don't care about me anymore. Why do you just want to watch this dumb game? <laughs> well, wait, it's a dumb game. Before we were falling for each other, you love this stuff. You know, so they uh, they begin to say things not altogether true. You know, which really is a lie. <laughs> because they want to make each other happy, they want to please each other. They want the other one to like them also. So you see, what's going on is they're beginning to cleave to each other. They're embracing. They're holding on to each other. They're they're cleaving to each other. That's what's going on. And uh, you have to be careful, youth. Don't fall for guys. Guys, don't fall, don't fall for another unless you know God has shown you, made it clear, this is the one I want you to marry. Be careful about dating like the world dates. Watch out for this boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. I'm going to try this out and see if it works out for me. Watch out. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to give your heart away to someone that really you're not going to marry. And then when the breakup happens, you're going to be so brokenhearted. And if you're like the world, you'll quickly be off to the next one and date another one. Be boyfriend, and just always boyfriend, girlfriend here and there. And you've given pieces of your heart to so many people. When you finally do get married, you just, you just have a little piece of your heart left to give to your spouse. And there's going to be trouble. There's going to be lots of problems. There's going to be lots of offenses because your whole heart's not there. You know, to give to each other. So be careful. Don't begin to cleave to one unless God has showed you this is the one. That you're, and you know it. And you've already talked to her parents and your parents. Amen? Hey, you, you better listen. <laughs> While they're seeing you back there, I'm looking at these guys. You guys listen. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you're wise enough to listen to this. Watch out for this boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You're going to give your heart away to the wrong one. It just, it, it's most of the time, like 99.99999, however many you want to add, adds how many percentage. It really is when you practice this boyfriend-girlfriend relationship stuff. Amen. Be careful. But for those who do eventually get married... They were cleaving to each other, they were loving each other, they had affection for each other, even the agape love, seeking the good of other above self. When the guy comes into a church and he knows his, his future woman is also going to be in church, he comes in 
He doesn't notice anybody. He's looking for his love. And he sees her, makes eye contact, and they smile. He likes to see her. And she likes, she likes hey, you notice me. He's looking at me. And, you know, and so there's that, that special love, that thoughtfulness, one of another. They're cleaving. That's what's going on. Amen? And then, <laughs> and then they decide, I like this relationship. I would like to live the rest of my life with this person, with this relationship. Let's get married. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so then the marriage happens. The marriage, after the marriage, I don't know what happens. <laughs> after the marriage, all of a sudden, the guy is thinking about a career, got to provide for family, and now all of his attention is going at his work, his career, his business, whatever he's got going on, trying to provide for his family because he's trying to care for his family. His attention, his focus is at work, at his business, his career, and the little wife is at home without him thinking about her like he was before. He's not cleaving to her anymore. He's cleaving to his business, to his work, to his career. That's where his time is affection. He's grabbing a hold of that and forgets his life. And so he's doing that. He's focusing on that. He comes home tired. He just wants to eat. He hopes his wife has a nice meal. He, want, he just wants to eat and then go maybe sit on the couch and watch a game. Let his brain go into this mush. You know, this, uh, <laughs> you know, turn to soup and be entertained with something that he doesn't have to put any effort or energy into. He wants to sit and watch a show or his game or something. And the wife is still by herself. No affection, no thoughtfulness from him. The game's over, he's tired, he just wants to avenge. Or, you know, you who are married, there's something else he wants, and then he wants to go to bed. <laughs> you know, but she has been neglected. She wasn't shown affection and care like before. He didn't come home looking for his wife, you know, looking for his love. Where is she? I've got to see her first, I've got to greet her. You know, give her a hug, he just comes home and, you know, puts his tools down or whatever, and where's the food, where's my game, or where's the show, and go to bed. And, so, now the wife is being neglected, he doesn't realize anything. The guy doesn't realize. I know, I counsel so many, <laughs> you know, pastors know, you counsel a lot. And, and we've experienced it too. You know, I'm not above this. I, I'll tell you some stories, maybe in a minute, I'll try uh, to be careful, because <laughs> my wife is here. <laughs> so, but... Uh, so you know, and so you begin, so you begin to grow apart. The guy's focus is at his career, providing a home. He's trying to get more money for a decent home, for another car, because he, his wife wants to be able to go shopping when he's gone at work. So it costs, you know. So he's getting more money for another car for his wife, and then uh, her car might break down. So you need a third car parked in the driveway, just in case one breaks down. You jump in there and keep going. The other one's in the shop. It's convenient. Very nice. <laughs> but uh, the problem is the pursuit for all the money that's necessary and all the time and effort put into that to get the money, the wife is being neglected. So the guy comes home and he expects the wife to love him. Expects the wife to still be cleaving to him. Desiring to please him. Desiring to make him happy, but it's not happening. So now he's kind of offended. Hey, my wife wasn't there for me when I needed her in the bedroom. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she wasn't there for me. And so now he's offended. And then I go to bed and he'll you know, be thinking, hey, need some attention over here. <laughs> and she might say, so I've got a headache and just turn her back to him and go to sleep. And then he's upset. Hey, she doesn't even care for me. She doesn't even care about this need. So now he's offended at her and now they begin to, this offense grows and it starts to grow apart. He's not there for her, providing her need anymore. She's not there for him, providing his need anymore. They begin to grow apart. And the longer this goes, the farther apart they grow. And they begin to live their own life. Though they're living in the same home, they begin to live their own. They're not living that life together anymore. They're not trying to make each other smile anymore and make each other happy anymore. Because there's offenses. You know, when you do good for me, then I'll do good for you. When you do a benefit for me, then I'll do a benefit for you. But until then, you've offended me. 
and they're growing apart. And this happens to the majority of marriages, even Christian marriages. It happens to the majority growing apart. As tactful as I can say, <laughs> not 100% of the time, but the majority of people, the man, a married man, that is, his number one need from his wife is that physical pleasure from his wife. That's his number one need. It's not a lust, it's a need, because he's got a woman jumping into his bed, putting her body up against him. Things are going to happen. <laughs> There's going to become a need, you know? And they're just, they know each other, and they're, they're very close. A single guy doesn't have a woman, better not be having a woman jumping in his bed. <laughs> and, you know, generating that need. Uh, married people, that's what happens. And so he's, his need is not being met. The woman, for the majority, the woman's number one need is affection from her husband. That loving, care, thoughtfulness, that time, listening to her, it's affection and intellectual attention from her husband. That's the woman's number one need, for the most part. You understand? But when the guy's need is not being met, he's not going to care to meet her need. When her need is not being met, she's not going to care to meet his need. And they start growing apart. And the offense gets stronger and stronger. They're growing apart. And then divorce is imminent. Usually the devil who is watching and waiting as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, wanting to destroy the home. He's watching. And when these needs are not being met, girls at work, the guys at work, the devil has his children in the world. People who are not saved. The devil can go in and out of them. The Bible shows. And the devil will enter into people. He will enter into a promiscuous woman. That's cute. And she'll start flirting with this husband. With this guy. His needs not been met for a while at home. She'll start flirting with him. Touch him. Whatever it might be. And that physical... It's the mind that temptation is going to come. And it's not long that there's adultery. Or the girl. The devil will enter into one of his children. And a guy will be, you know, think she's pretty. The guy will begin to start talking sweet and talking kind. And ask her, how's the day? How's things? She'll start to talk to him. He will listen. Because the, husband, the husband's not listening. Since he's listening, she begins to open up and vent on him. She begins to share her heart with him and give her heart away to this guy. And he was clever enough to sit there and listen to her and let her talk and woo her and be kind and give kind words and maybe eventually slip her a flower in a cheeky way. I'm sorry you're suffering. I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I just want to give you a flower uh, just to cheer you up. That's going to cheer her up, of course. <laughs> you're going to smile on that. You're going to smell it and... Her mind will start going off into some romance situation and the devil using this guy will get her into adultery. The husband and wife, like the Lord says, God puts them together. They Watch this. They leave father and mother. They're married now and they must cleave one to another. Amen. They must cleave one to another till the day they die. Okay, to express a little more, the man must continue to romance his wife. Not to win her, to get married, and okay, I'm married, won her, now what? Okay, my career. No. He must continue to romance his wife. I'm not romantic. I, I suffer at it. I struggle. I try to as Renee can tell you. I'm just... <laughs> I work at it, and I try to be, and I, so, but even if you're not romantic, give her your attention. Let her talk to you. Let her share her frustrations. Listen to her. You don't have to fix her problems. She just wants somebody to talk to. Somebody, you know, for real. <laughs> you ever see this, uh, you ever see this video, this girl, this guy sitting on a couch talking, you know, they're a couple. She has this nail sticking out of her forehead. You guys ever see that one? She has this nail sticking out of her forehead. And she's going on saying, 
I, I, I need you to sit here and talk to me. I just need to talk to you about something. Okay, what is it? And he's looking at this nail on her forehead. And he can see the concern. And she's saying, I've got this pain in my head. I've got this headache and this pain right in front of my head. I don't know what it is. I wish I knew what was causing this pain. It just, it just really bothered me. And he's looking at it and he's trying to pipe in and tell her, you got a nail on your forehead. It's causing me. And he begins to tell her, it's because you've got this thing. Don't, don't try and fix my problem. Just listen to me. I need you to listen to me. And she's going off and just telling them, and uh, you know, it's revealing, it's a reality. You don't have to be so intellectual and so, uh, what's the word? You, know, you don't have to analyze everything and just give her the answer. She just wants you to listen to her and show care and actually hear what she's saying. <laughs> You know, it, I don't know why when you get married after a while, when your wife or the husband's talking about something, you just hear wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you hear their voice, and you pick up words every now and then, and then they say, so what do you think? You know, oh, uh, <laughs> what do I say now? <laughs> uh, whatever you think. <laughs> whatever you think about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> so really, <laughs> so we have to take ourselves back to the time that we were falling in love, we were listening to them, they were telling us stories, you guys know what I'm talking about, they were telling us stories about things that past, you didn't care about these people that they're talking about, they would give names, when they would mention a name, go off about that person, you didn't care about that person, you cared about her. You know you want to know about her, but because you cared about her, you're falling for her, you want her to love you, you're trying to please her, you listen to her as she talks about these people, and you remember the names of these people she talked about, somehow. And then you bring it up, oh yeah, so-and-so, and you were telling me about that day. Yeah, she knows you were listening, but now after many years of marriage, she'll tell you about somebody, and then she comes back and you're like, wait, who are you talking about? <laughs> You know, what's this person? You know, they would show you pictures of their past and of their family, and, and you'd care. You would sit with her, and you would, you know, you would watch, and you would look at those pictures, and now, after many years of marriage, she'll show you pictures about people you don't know. You don't care to see those people. You don't know these people. You don't care to see these pictures, but if you care for her, you'll sit down with her and let her tell you about these people, and you'll listen to her. You know, the woman's number one need not a lust, not a want. Her need from her man is that care, that attention, that affection. The woman's desire is to be one with her man. And if the man will make himself and let his wife be one with her, she will follow him to the end of the world. Happily. Wherever he goes. Watch this. When a woman is secure in her man's love, and knows we're one. And then the guy says, hey, my friends were talking about going golfing. Yeah, go golfing. Enjoy your time. <laughs> Have fun. You know, the guy's talking about, hey, the guy's talking about going fishing. This gym just got a new boat. Let's take a fish. Yeah, go, go fishing. Enjoy it. Have fun. But when the woman, when the wife is not secure in his love, and he says, hey, I was thinking about going golfing. You're always gone. You're always out spending money. You never want to spend time with me. You know? Am I right or wrong? <laughs> the man must make sure his wife is his first relationship after God. You've got to spend time with your wife. Romance her. Do things with her. Don't forget about her. Be careful not to... You know, men are one-track, right? Where are you at? <laughs> men are one-track minded. And we are. And we got our minds on something, things happen, we don't notice, we don't see, you know, we're one track. Women are, they're seeing everything. Uh, that's, I guess that's that one rib that was taken out. It's the rib that sees everything and pays attention to everything. Because <laughs> that was taken out and put in the woman. A man just does not have that. <laughs> we're not multitaskers. That's that rib that has a multitasking in it that God took out and put in her and then said, okay, now you're... Because uh, without the woman, the man is kind of, you know, not all there. He's not complete. In reality, uh, you know, without the woman, the man's not complete. There's something missing. And together they are one. Amen. All complete. In the beginning, when God created man, 
He was created in God's image and after His likeness. And then God took a part of the man out and created a woman and put them together and said, together you're one. Amen? So, without the spouse, without the woman, the man is not complete. There's something missing. Amen. And God decided to put them together and they work together. And they're complete. The marriage that is done right, the Bible way, brings great glory and honor to God. Magnifies our God when it's right. Amen. This love, this affection, this agape love, seeking good of the other above self, Carrying one for another brings great glory to the God of creation. Magnifies Him. Amen? And that's the purpose of the marriage union. To honor God and glorify Him. Amen? But if we're growing apart, living our own life, God's not glorified. It's not what God designed. You know? Your marriage... The reason why God designed that marriage was to honor Him and glorify Him. Amen. So if you want to honor God, make your marriage right. Amen. You want God to be magnified to your home, to your home life, make your marriage right. Work at it. Amen. Husband, be there for your wife. Love her. Cherish her. You remember those vows from the very beginning of your marriage? You made vows to love her. To cherish her in sickness and in health. To be loyal to her and her alone. Amen. And you made those vows. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the Bible says, If we make a vow and then break it, God will curse the work of our hands. We're not going to prosper. You make vows, you better keep those vows if you want to prosper. Ladies, same, you made a vow to your husband. Amen. Keep those vows. Even if the other one is not keeping the vows, you keep your vows. If the other one is not loving you right, you love that one right. It won't take long that the other one will start loving you right again, also. Amen? Because people respond to that. Amen? This whole scenario that we're talking about, the man has the greatest responsibility in this situation. It's usually the man that one-track minded, quickly forgets, not paying attention, getting focused on career and work, having a home, providing for his wife. How many times does the wife feel so neglected and unloved, the guy doesn't realize it? And she says, you don't love me. What do you mean I don't love you? I just bought you a new car. I worked extra hours, extra blisters to buy you a new car. What do you mean I don't love you? I just bought you the new house that you were wanting and we just renovated the house for you. What do you mean I don't love you? He's not getting it. <laughs> her number one need is to be one with her man. That affection, that care, that time, that intellectual and effectual time. Amen. And he's just too busy trying to provide all this stuff, trying to show his love. But he's missing that which is most important from the very beginning. They leave father and mother and they cleave one to another. Amen? Now, there's one thing in here. Leaving father and mother, cleaving to each other, which means father and mother to no longer have influence in between the husband and wife. Amen? They can give counsel, you know, and they would be wise to listen to the counsel. But often, the guy's mom is fighting with the wife and he sides with his mom. That's not right. Who is he cleaving to? He's holding on to his mother. <laughs> he's, not, he's not cleaving to his wife. You understand? Uh, and same with the father. So you have to be careful. I mean, this is why God says, leave father and mother. 
If you stay in their home, they're going to have authority over you. They're going to influence. There's going to be problems. There's going to be trouble. Amen? You can't be the head of your home if you're living in somebody else's home when there's another head. You have two families in one home. You have two heads. You have a freak. <laughs> Anything with two heads is a freak. <laughs> in America, you can go to the circus or the fairs, and they'll have a snake with two heads or a frog with two heads. A sheep once I saw with two heads. You ever seen anything like that? You know, it, these, you know, it's you've got to leave so you can be the head of your own home. Cleave to your wife. Continue to romance her. Continue to love her. Continue to give her affection and care, even if you have to be poor. And she'll love and care and affection to your wife. She's going to be happy. She doesn't have to have all that money. She has to have your love, your affection, your care. Continue to think about her. Continue to, if she likes gifts, continue to buy her gifts to put a smile on her face on occasion. You know, if she likes flowers, buy her flowers, put a smile on her face. Whatever it might be. you got to be there for her to love her and care for her. Let her talk. Let her talk and vent on you things you don't care about. Listen to her, pay attention, and respond intelligently, if you need to respond. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so she knows that you're listening, you're understanding. She just wants you to understand the frustration, and you don't have to fix the problem. Just understand this frustration, give her a hug, and say, I'm sorry. Even if it's, you know, she's frustrated about something, oh, I'm sorry, you're frustrated about that. Just show care. That's what she needs. Women, if you're not providing for your man his number one need, the devil's going to use some cheeky girl to come along and start flirting with him. Or nowadays, unfortunately, with the internet, there's so much temptation that the devil has a system in this world that targets your husband. He's not looking for it. But he's targeting your husband, he's going to present it to your husband, they're going to start finding that pleasure outside of the marriage bed. It's too easy in this world these days. Now men, if you start finding that pleasure outside of the marriage bed, and you start giving yourself to that, you start wrapping yourself with cords of sin and binding yourself up. You become addicted. And it's got a hold of you. You're not going to need your wife anymore. Because you're getting that taken care of, that need taken care of somewhere else. You're not going to need your wife anymore, so you're not going to care for her anymore. You're not going to show her affection. You're not going to desire to romance her and woo her in anymore. Women love to be wooed in. Girls, watch out. Some cheeky boy is going to come along and he's going to talk about how pretty your hair is and your eyes sparkle like the stars. And you're just going to, oh, you're going to fall for him. He's the best guy ever. <laughs> and he's, he's trying to woo you in. He's going to give you flowers. He's trying to woo you in and win your love. Watch out. If he's not a good guy, talk to your parents. They know. They've seen people. They, they're good judges of character. They've been there and done that. Amen. You'd be wise to listen to them. Amen. Don't fall for a boy and, and love is blind. You fall for a boy, your parents can reveal truth and facts. You're not going to see it. You're not going to care. He's the best thing ever. Oh, he talks so sweet to me. He's wooing you in. If a guy is finding this pleasure outside of the marriage bed, you all know what I'm talking about. He's not going to need his wife anymore. He's not going to woo her anymore. She's going to be left alone. All by herself. And you're breaking your vows. You're not loving her and cherishing her. Providing for her. Like you promised to in the beginning when you were genuinely serious about it. You understand? Uh, look over here. Let's finish with this reading of this verse. In uh, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. And this is the passage of scripture I was going to preach and explain in detail. Really good stuff, but I'm not going to preach it. I just want to bring it to a point here, to a close. In Proverbs chapter 5. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 5. Let's start reading off of verse number 15 and we'll read down to verse 22 and 23. And I'll just make a few comments and we'll close here. Proverbs chapter 5. 
verse number 15. And this talk about a husband-wife relationship. Amen? Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Well, what's he talking about? Let's keep reading. <laughs> Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. You know, your own offspring. Let them be only thine own, and not another, and not a stranger's with thee. Just between you and your wife. Amen? Uh, you remember... To help you understand more perfectly what this is saying, you know, a stranger, that's a woman that's not your wife, literally. Uh, God told uh, Abraham and Sarah, when Sarah said, hey, we're old, not having children, we need to help God keep his promise. You remember the story? Sarah says, here's Hagar, take her and have a child with her. So uh, Abraham does, which we have trouble in the Middle East today because of that. The Arab nation, the Ishmaelites, are just violent people. And uh, that's what come of that. Uh, but uh, So Abraham, he takes Hagar and has a child with Hagar. And then God again talks to Abraham and says, No, I told you of your own bowels, of your own womb. Of, out of you, I'm going to give a child. Remember, the husband and the wife come together and become one flesh. They become one flesh. And when Adam, uh, Abraham took Hagar, a strange woman, and had a child with her, God told Abraham, no, I told you out of your own bowels, from your own flesh, husband and wife being one flesh, out of your own bowels, from you I'm going to give a son, then God gives Isaac from Abraham and Sarah, his other half. That completes him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so, uh, uh, let, thy, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Okay, now, what we're, now we know what we're talking about. The drink waters out of thine own cistern. Be refreshed, be satisfied from your own wife. He's talking about. Amen. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Verse 19. Let her be as the loving hind and the pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. Why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? And embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. And he shall be holden with the cords, plural, the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. When the guy seeks to drink waters out of another cistern, to be satisfied from a strange woman, whether off the internet, magazines, movies, or physically, another woman. If the guy seeks pleasure, seeks to fulfill this desire, this pleasure outside of his own sister, he's binding himself up with the cords of his iniquity. Iniquity is one of those words for sin. You know, sin is categorized. Iniquities, transgressions, trespasses. Iniquity is a sin of inequality. It's an unequal balance. It's hypocrite. It's hypocrisy. It's a sin of hypocrisy. He's a married guy. He has his own cistern, but he's seeking pleasure outside on equal balance. And might even hide it and pretend like everything's good with his own cistern. But he's drinking waters from another cistern. He's seeking pleasure and satisfaction, fulfillment from another cistern. And playing the hypocrite. That's iniquity, a sin of iniquity. And with the sin of iniquity, he's binding himself with the cords of the sin. He gets all bound up and trapped. One time around, you probably can break. Break free. If you've done this and made a mistake, break free from it. Don't stay in it. Confess it. Put it off. Get rid of it. Drink waters out of thine own sister. Go back to your loving, beautiful little wife. Love her. Cherish her. Romance her. Woo her in. Do things for her to put a smile on her face. Win her love all over again. You must go back to her. Your relationship with God is the most important relationship. After that, your spouse. Amen. Love each other. Be satisfied with each other. Be fulfilled. Satisfy each other. Amen. If the other one's not being loving, you love them anyways. Amen. 
And it will, there will be a response to that. Amen? Go back to your wife, love her. Break free from those cords before it's too late. Eventually you become so bound up. The addiction is too strong. So many people, around, not only men, men and women, so many are addicted to the lusts of the eyes and cannot break free from it. They're trapped. They wrap that cord again and again and again. They keep going back to it and now they're bound up and they're trapped. It's got a hold of them. Destroying their home, destroying their life, causing them to neglect their wife or the husband because they're drinking out of another cistern, seeking that pleasure somewhere else. The devil is too clever. He will use your lust. He knows the lusts of mankind. He knows the desires. He knows the needs of mankind. And he will use those to get you to do it in the wrong way at the wrong time in attempts to destroy your life. Amen. Be careful. Amen. Love each other. Cleave one to another. Amen. Husband and wife, cleave to each other. Embrace each other. Don't let each other go. Do what you must to keep that relationship sweet and precious. As long as you're working at it and you're cleaving, embracing, holding on to each other, you will enjoy each other. You'll be satisfied with her and her alone. Amen. She can please you. Amen. Like she used to before you begin to drift apart. You can go back and mend this. You just have to go back and win each other's love again. Start pursuing each other again like you used to before you got married. You were pursuing each other's love. Go back to pursuing each other's love. Embrace each other. Don't let each other go. Ask God to give wisdom. Lord, what can I do to fix this? What can I do to make this right? What can I do, Lord, to enjoy this relationship? Amen. God will give you if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberal and abradeth not. He's not going to abrade you. Say, so why don't you know these things? You should know these things. You should know how to take it. You, you romance her and wooed her in before. Why don't you know these things? He won't do that. If you're lacking wisdom, ask of God. God will give you liberally. He won't abrade you. He'll be happy to give you the wisdom that you need to fix things, to make things right. So that through your sweet relationship, God will be magnified and glorified through your relationship, through your life. Amen? The most powerful influences in my life as a Christian growing up were from a husband and wife that loved each other. After many years, they still loved each other. They enjoyed being together. They, they just loved to be together and do things together. Their, their, their testimony was so powerful and so effective. Amen. And just an encouragement to me, it, not just in marriage life, when they talk to me about other things, when preachers like that would preach about other things in life, they're just effective people, powerful. Amen. Because they had their relationship with God right first and their second, most important, required relationship with their spouse, they had it right. Amen. And God would flow out of them. Amen. God just poured out of them and ministered to so many people and blessing this is God's purpose for your marriage. Amen. God wants to flow out of your marriage and be a blessing and he'll be glorified. He'll be magnified through your life. Amen. Hollywood, they can only pretend. Bollywood, they only pretend. They are in iniquity and unequal bound. They're the greatest hypocrites on earth. But this shows how to have it right. Amen. You can really enjoy your spouse. If you're not enjoying your spouse, put your mind back. What did you do before you even got married? What were you doing that made you desire each other? What, did, what were you doing that made her say, yes, I'll marry you? You have to go back and do those same things. It worked. <laughs> if it worked once, it'll work again. Amen. Be there for each other. Girls, boys, you guys better watch out. <laughs> The devil's going to bring somebody and try and get you outside of marriage. Ruin your life. Turn your world upside down. And you'll miss out on amazing things that God has for you in your marriage that's to come. Amen. Keep yourself pure. Amen. Keep yourself pure. If you've been seeking pleasure outside of the marriage bed, you're not married yet. Quit binding. Quit wrapping those cords around you. 
You'll become addicted to things that will destroy you. Break free of that while you have the chance. Break free while you can. God is merciful, full of mercy, full of compassion. He will forgive. He will cleanse. He will deliver you. He'll set your feet on a solid rock. Amen. And you'll have that powerful, victorious Christian life. Amen. Don't become bound. Amen. Be free. Do things God's way. And you'll see that it works. And it will lead you to an amazing, powerful life. Amen. With everybody's heads bowed and everybody's eyes closed, we want to have another, another invitation. Just another opportunity to respond to the reading of God's Word. Whatever might be going on in your life, I encourage you to, to respond in prayer here. Let's just take a few moments to have every head bowed. Every eye closed.